What's up, NASCAR Nation? I'm Mamba Smith. Welcome to Mark Mamba and the Mayor. Joey Logano is a two-time cup champion and a great example of redemption and perseverance. Ross Chastain shocked the world with the Hail Melon at Martinsville. We still don't believe what we saw. Let's get it started on Mark Mamba and the Mayor. All right, gentlemen. Mark That's the ones you gotta watch out for in that rush hour traffic. Those old people that have lost their pay. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a minute, but Mark Mamba and the mayor is back. Mark Martin, Jeff Burton in the house. Fellas, end of the year. I mean, you you work all year to get here, and then it comes, and you're like, "Well, now what am I going to do?" <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready for racing to start again. Man, when I was a racer, oh, I was so uh, happy for the season to get over with and have some time off. But as a fan, I see, I get it. I, I'm I'm ready for racing already again. What a great season! Yeah, it was a fun it was a fun season, and there was so many things happening. And you had what I liked about the season was you didn't know who the favorite was every week. Uh, not only to win the race, but who the championship favorite was. Um, anybody could win. I said so many cars that could win races, and and I'm like Mark. I I I uh, I remember how tired I was. I remember seeing uh, could see it in the eyes of the crew members how tired they were, how much they needed a break. Uh, but ever since I started television, I'm like, damn, why are we ending it? We should just keep racing. And <laughs> but but they all need a break, you know, especially. Uh, I mean, they, the pit crew guys, I have so much respect for them. Uh, it took this brand new car. Uh, all of them were scrambling bad to get cars ready this year. Um, and I think the opposite is going to be this, this winter, right? I think they're really going to get a real break for the first time in a long time. Uh, you go back and think about all the testing that was happening, all the things that were going on. These guys hadn't got a break in, in a couple of years. And I think this offseason is really the first time they can catch their breath. And I, I'm really happy for them. Yeah, I mean, the whole industry needed a, a deep breath to kind of, we've been all out. You know, we have the new car and whether it's, you know, in the, you know, behind the scenes or the race forward, you know, everyone's been working so hard. So, and we crowned a uh, new champion. Well, he's not new. He's two-time now. Joey Logano, the guy won the LA clash the first race that we had with this car uh for this year and he also won the last race of the season and won the championship as well and, and gave Roger Penske his another one so uh guys how do you how do you rate what Joey did he was fast at the beginning of the year and he just kind of he kind of just was consistent like throughout the dog days of the summer but when it, when the lights were on he he showed back up well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I saw Joey race legend car, which are the hardest things in the world to drive, I think, um, at 10 years old, racing with the in the pro division. I'm talking about the pro division. I'm talking about the grown-ups, uh, <laughs> you know, and whipping them. And I saw him whip them, and I was like, saw this little kid get out of the car, and I'm like, he's going to be an NASCAR champion. He's going to be a cup champion. And I knew it from the time he was 10 years old. Um, and he's had 
you know, he's had a well of a career and he's still young. I mean, he's a, I guess he was the elder statesman in the in the final four there, but goodness gracious, he's got a lot of time in front of him and uh and they made it happen when it counted, man. They 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 just stomped at at Phoenix. I mean, there was nothing else to it. Um heck, man. It was they established, you know, right from qualifying that they were going to be the the ones to beat and uh, and that nobody really had a whole lot for him. You know, um, Mark was the guy that was out talking Joey Logano before anybody knew who Joey Logano was. Mark was the guy that was trying really hard. Um, I could tell some stories that Mark probably didn't want me to tell about the frustration about Mark seeing this talent. I mean, this extraordinary talent, and he could recognize it and see it and getting the right people in the right places to recognize it and make a commitment to, to the young man, and their family uh, could have changed some companies. Um, and Mark saw it and was pushing that hard. Um, and not everybody could. Um, to me, you know, Steve Batart and I talk a lot about drivers and we spent a lot of time having conversations and he and I, you know, we both agree that Joey Logano is the most valuable race car driver in the sport. Uh, and the reason I say that is he does all the things on the track right and does all the things on the, off the track right. He is he is a split personality, which is very difficult to do. It's very difficult to be the nice guy off the track, understand all the things you're supposed to do, embrace them, uh, and, 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 and go do your sponsor commitments. Go try to make the sport better than it was when you got here. Do it with excitement. Do it with enthusiasm put the helmet on and be the, the ass that you have to be to win races. It's very hard to do both. There's a lot that both that can do one or the other. It's very few that can do both at the level Joey Logano can do it. And there's nothing not to like. I mean, I understand he's pissing some people off on the racetrack every now and then, but that's because he's out there to win races. He doesn't, he doesn't come to the track to make friends. He comes to the track to win races. And I just think even the people that have gotten mad at Joey – I think some of it's been blown completely out of out of pr- proportion. I, I I I love the way he races, and I just I have so much respect for what he does on the track and off the track. Um, he is he is the if he if if he was a free agent, he would be the single highest paid driver in the sport. Period. And I know Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson might be the best driver in the world. Uh, but you put. Joey Logano and Kyle Larson, you take those guys and put them right at the top with how young they are and what they can do. But I just love, I just, Joey's the whole, the complete package. You guys both talked about how young he was the oldest guy at 32 in the final four. And now he's got two championships. And I, I got to talk to Joey at the track after. And I'm like, man, like, I've heard some this puts you in you're in a different category now. Like one, one is fantastic. But you get you get two. Now you're you're talking a whole different status and he's so young, there's really no telling where the ceiling is there. Well, there's a lot more to come from Joey. Uh, you know, he's a, like like Jeff said, he's gonna always have great teams uh behind him because he's such a valuable property. Um because he does so much right on and off the racetrack um, and really gets a, gets a job done. So he's really accomplished a lot in his career, but he's still 
He's still young, and he's going to have great race cars to drive for a long, long time. So this, I don't see how there's any possible way this is the last championship that he's going to going to win. I see him winning more. Jeff, um, when I was talking to Joey and I was talking about greatness and, you know, being a legend and Hall of Famer, and he said something that you kind of, you alluded to. He said, I think greatness in, in being a legend has as much to do, if not more, what you do outside of the race car and how you propel the sport forward and keep it moving. And so it's it's funny to me. I think it's so cool that he said that. And then coming from someone like you, you said the same thing about him. So uh, it seems like, you know, the mindset's right there to be to be that guy. Well, I, you know, I work with Joey a lot with the, with the driver's council. He's he's on our board and 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 I know what he does behind the scenes. I know the effort he puts in uh, to help other drivers, to help the sport. Uh, to be able to sit, you know, to, to take time to go sit down and have a conversation with somebody that might have an opinion that's different than yours. You know, it's really easy to sit in a room with a bunch of people that are all like-minded and they're going to say the things you want them to say. It's a whole other thing to expose yourself to a situation where you know people are going to disagree with you and you can take a step back and listen to them and respect what it is they're saying. Even if you disagree with them, you understand you can leave that room, that conversation with a different perspective. And I think that's that's how you come to the best answers. Joey's I've seen Joey do that so many times where he'll walk into a room, has an opinion, sits down, hears everybody's opinion, understands why they have that opinion, and then he may change what he originally thought was the right thing because he got presented with uh, with information he didn't have. And those are the kind of people that we need in this sport. We need hard-headed, strong-willed people, but we also need people that are to have a conversation and respect others' opinions and understand why they have that opinion. That's that's how we make the sport better. And Joey's, Joey's that guy 100%. I love the fact he can do that and then put the helmet on and he's the 180. Like he, I think he races respectfully. I mean, he's not a guy that just mows you over, but when it's time to go, it's time to go. And, and at the same time, you don't hear him complaining a lot. If he leans on somebody, you don't hear him complaining that he got leaned on by that same guy, right? He's a pretty even kill guy, even though in the car he's aggressive and he does what he needs to do. And um, I don't know, man, I just, it's easy to it's easy to rave about somebody when they just won their second championship, but you know I had I've had this opinion about Joey for a long time, and to me Joey's also the cautionary tale about you know drivers owners giving up on young drivers too quickly. I mean, be careful, <laughs> be careful if you take a young guy and you put him in a car and they don't have immediate success, and you're like, oh, he can't do it. Well, no crap, he can't do it. Of course, he can't do it. Are you going to take? Are you going to tell me you take Joey Logano at? 18 years old and say, hey, go beat Mark Martin. He ain't going to do it. He's not, I don't give a damn how good he is. And, and so you got to give him time. And he's, he's the guy. I mean, and there's many others, uh, Suarez, Eric Jones. There's a long list of guys that were given up on too quickly. Uh, just another year, just another year. And they would have been a completely different race car driver. Yeah, I mean, let you know, you talk about it's easy it's easy to rave on someone who just won a second championship, but you know, he won the first one in 2018, second one obviously 2022. So that's only four-year gap. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a pretty good clip of getting both of them. He's won 31 races. He started in 09 at 19 with JGR. Uh and he had two wins in that in the first four seasons. Like 
it's not like he didn't win early either, you know, and obviously all the things he did in Xfinity. So he's in his prime now, right? How long, uh, Mark, I'll, I'll kind of go to you first. Like, how long do you think the prime window is in, in NASCAR? Like, we talk about prime in all sports, but, like, this prime window is a little different. It's kind of funky to navigate, I feel like. You would probably know the best about that. Yeah, you know, his window is the, – the window is shrinking um, now. It used to be a really wide window. Not so really wide. It was shifted up like you – your window didn't start when you were – 20 or 24 or 26, your window really started at maybe 30 and went to 50. That window was shifted, obviously, down to, you know, easily 20 or early, super early 20s. But the top end of it continues to collapse with time uh, and with technology and with the way things change. Used to, when one of the reasons why G, uh, Joey wasn't able to bring immediately success to his cup cars because he hadn't made those the cars that he won with prior to getting to cup, he hadn't made them winners with his own hands. So he wasn't able, he had to rely completely on the race team and the communication between the team to make it happen. Those kind of things are really causing the that time period to kind of collapse down some. You know, technology, the drivers don't know anymore about the setups that are going in the cars. They don't know as much about the cars. And so an older driver with a lot of experience isn't quite as valuable in the car performance side of it as he was at one time. Like it, you know, at 50 years old, Bobby Allison could tell you what springs, shocks, and sway bars and weight distribution to put in his car and how to hang the body and could probably go win with it. That can't be done. Even even as incredible as Kevin Harvick is today, I don't think Kevin could uh, specify from top to bottom a winning car. Uh, as long as Kevin's able to stay hooked up with Rodney Childers, he can continue to be an anomaly in the sport. But Kevin is leading the, the charge for, you know, showing that age is only a number. Some of these other guys are having to face the music much before Kevin has. And, and it's not as much an ability thing as it is the technology part of it. And, of course, you know, when it comes down to the way they race today, it's pretty important to be super quick, like have super quick. I could tell when I was 50 years old, that I didn't, I wasn't able to, everything just didn't happen as quick. The things didn't fire in my brain quickly, and I could tell that. I was still able to win races, but I could tell. And I think today it's more important than it ever was back in the day because you've got all these young guys, you've got all this insanely um, aggressive racing that you have to do with today's car and with today's age. And, uh, and so, you know, it just, it, it, it sort of shrinks that window, especially on the top end. It's interesting that Mark said that he could tell, yeah, that he could tell that things didn't come as quickly and, and um, damn, it didn't look like it. <laughs> I mean, Mark was, Mark was fast as hell. When I went through my decline, I can sit here today um, as a 55-year-old without the ego that I had when I was driving. And I can tell you, I have no idea why I wasn't productive at 43 years old. I don't know. There were days that I could run up front, 
but I spent more days not running in the front and I don't know why. I couldn't get my car to do the things that I needed it to do. It wasn't that I didn't want to or didn't care about it. I just couldn't find a way to do it for some reason. I, I don't know why. I, I, I To this day, I have no idea why. You know, the the I think The Athletic, a really cool article I remember reading a while ago about driver's age and what was the most productive and, you know, around 38. And then I went back and kind of checked after a little bit you know, that 37, 38, 39 range is your man, you're all on top of it right there. And then there, there is a decline, you know, later in your early forties, there is a decline in, in performance. Um, Mark, Mark was still going fast. Um, I mean, Del Jarrett, you go back and think about them. You know, there's a lot of guys that had their most successful careers at right, right around 40 years old, but there weren't that many that were having them, at 44, 45, seems like a pretty big, pretty big fall off. I think you have to be really careful in judging. You know, like I said before, I think you have to really be careful in judging those younger drivers. Like, you know, think about William Byron. Think about Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon hit everything but the lottery his rookie year. And, you know, don't, you, you can't give up on him, right? And and the, those guys that are patient and, and find a way to keep the sponsors at bay and keep them happy and can – I mean, listen, if a guy can't make speed, then he can't make speed, right? But finishing, you can't look at finishing. You know, if a guy can go fast and qualifying, if a guy can make lap time during the race, the struggles on struggles at different points of the race, and they're 23 years old, and it's their first year, second year, stick with it, you know? And and because if you do, then you might get that Joey Logano. You might get that William Byron. You might get that Eric Jones. I mean, you know, you might you might have what you need if you have the patience. Patience and off track, on track. That's a lot of the whole the whole deal here in motorsports. Uh, we're talking about young guys, and we're moving from one very aggressive driver. Let's talk about another very aggressive driver that finished second in the championship, finished third at Phoenix, the second year for Trackhouse and Ross Chastain. Uh, gave them a hell of a run in an effort. And it you really saw that he was about that life when he did the move at Martinsville. I mean, I talked to Mark. I texted Mark. I said, Mark, I got to hear from you, buddy. I got to know what you think about this thing because I was in the grandstands on the front stretch, and I was watching Ross, right? Everyone else was wa- watching the front of the race. I was watching where Ross was. And when he started making the move, I was like, what am I? What? And I just started going crazy because I didn't know what to do. I had never seen anything. And everyone was looking at me like I had 18 heads because they didn't see it until it was on the screen. What when you guys saw it, like what What was your first impression of seeing that wall right at Martinsville? Wow. Well, I'd like to start back, you know, back up a, just a little bit before that move. And just my first impression of watching Ross Chastain, I love watching Ross race. I love it. Um, man, it's, he, he's fun to watch. Um, I love the fact that he's a sort of kind of maybe a underdog kind of blue collar guy that wants it. Everybody that's, that has made it to cup, the cup level wants it bad, but somehow or another Ross has found a way to want it worse than, than most. I appreciate all those things about Ross so much, and I love watching him race. Over a period of time, the only thing that's kept kept me from being his number one fanboy 
is he's been rougher than I think necessary. And I'll just expand on that just a little bit. And I do this all the time, but I wasn't Ernie Irvin's biggest fan. He was so incredibly fast, but he bounced off a lot of stuff. And a lot of times that meant people, drivers. And I didn't appreciate that. And I understand it was a different time. But the thing about Ernie was after he did that long enough, he recognized that it was going to deter his career if he kept on that path. And he made a change in his driving personality. And that made him one of the greatest of all time in NASCAR, one of the greatest. I would like to see Ross be able to make that because that that change, because Ross is so good that he can do it. He can make those passes without making contact. And that will earn him the respect that he's missing right now on the racetrack. And I will also become his number one fanboy, just like I was and am of Ernie Irvin. So that being that being said, you, you, you just have to unpack this just a little bit. I mean, I like to think that I wanted it bad too. And I like to think that under those circumstances and being that, you know, I'd done it on the computer and iRacing and all that stuff and I'd seen this for a while and I had nothing to lose, I'd I like to think that I would do that too. But, so I happen to be looking right at it, um, you know, doing TV. I don't know why I was looking that way. And I, I, I saw it happen and I, you know, I didn't know I did this till I saw a video, but I started hitting junior pointing at it, you know? And, and when I first saw it, I, my, my initial instinct was for a millisecond, it hung a throttle, you know, like, and then real quickly, I recognized what he was doing, but I agree with Mark. I think it is a defining moment in the sport. I think that it was viewed, seen by so many people, and it showed the willingness for a competitor to do something that most people wouldn't do. And they all say they would. And okay, maybe they would now that they showed him. He showed them how. But the guy, the first guy to do it, like, damn, like, how how do you do that? And then, uh, then talking to him later about it was fascinating because he he I I didn't believe him, but he swore to me. He said, Jeff. I did not think about it till, you know, I asked what the situation was. They told me his description of it was crazy. He said, Mark, that he actually, his vision got blurry, that he drove in there and his, he like his, his vision got blurry and he couldn't see what he was looking at. And his brain, not his eyes, his brain went through the, the crossover gate. And what's going to happen when I get to the crossover gate? And he took his hands off the wheel and stayed wide open in the gas. And he said when he got back on the straightaway and he got to Denny and to Brad, that's when everything started clearing up with his vision. Well, what the hell? I mean, who does that? I mean, who does that? And and I, I did when he told the story, I, it was it was amazing move. It was an amazing move. But then when he told me the story, what was happening and it wasn't pre-planned. He didn't. He didn't think about it until the front straightaway when he got the white flag. Like what? Like I mean, how in the world does any of that come together that quickly and then stay committed to it when you lose your vision? Stay committed to it. That's just a lot going on. And and it was a hell of a move. And I'm going to tell you something. And now people don't like hearing it. What do you do about it? I mean, because now you can do it at Martinsville. And and so what do you do about it? Is it is it 
is it cool if everybody does it all the time at Martinsville on the last lap or Darlington on the last lap? Because I think you could do it at Darlington. You know, now the door is open to possibly seeing this in other places. And, and it puts NASCAR in a really awkward position, in my opinion, because it was so great because it was so extraordinary. If it's common, it's not great anymore. It's a sideshow. And it's a fine line between the two. And it's going to be an interesting offseason to see if there's anything done to try to prevent it from happening. I, I'm not suggesting they should or they shouldn't, but there is no question that it does put NASCAR in a very interesting situation. I think for me, the two things that stand out to it is one, we've seen that move tried, but not completed, right? I mean, we saw Larson, Sheldon Creed, and Noah Gragson all doing it at Darlington. And it was amazing. The finish was amazing. So like, when you're seeing someone go all out, there's something about that that just pulls that out of you, right? And it's great. Um, the other thing that is crazy about it is in the midst of all of that, the that crazy move, Christopher Bell became that dude, too, because he won his way all the way to a shot at a champion. I mean, he... He so overshadowed what he did in the 20 car because of what happened in the one that you forget that Christopher Bell gangstered his way into a shot for a championship, too. You know what I mean? Like, that's how wild that move was. It was it was impressive. I'm glad he saw it. And there's no doubt who has the biggest melons in the garage. It's definitely Ross Chastain. <laughs> He's definitely is that guy. Do you ever get frustrated that you can't watch certain live sporting events because they aren't televised or available in your country? With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country that is showing every NASCAR event that you want to watch so you don't have to miss out and you can watch all the action live. It's the price of a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for a premium cybersecurity, and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash NASCAR to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Moving, you know, we had a, two other champions in this series, obviously, at the end. Uh, Zane Smith won the truck championship, well-deserved uh, kid has a lot of talent. I remember when Chip Ganassi said that, or it came out that Chip wanted him, and I was like, "That seems like a hell of a step." You know, he's he's become a champion in trucks now. Like you got to you got to give that to him. And then Ty Gibbs, and I want to talk about this because it's important. Ty's had he had a rough year. He had a good year and a rough year and a learning year, and he came out triumphant in a championship and got to share that moment with his family. And then we lost Corey shortly thereafter. When I was talking to Kyle Petty and Alex Weaver about it on Backseat Driver, I, I think it, I'm going to say it again here. When we lose someone in the garage, as you guys know, it's a little different here in our sport. It kind of really sticks with the sport and it sticks with whatever the places that we lost that person at because we all travel together. We share airplanes. We go to the same place for lunch. We eat the same place for dinner. We see each other all week long. You know, you help each other out. Like it's a community and it, it's, it just is a little different when we lose someone here and it affects the garage and our community differently. You know, that's all I wanted to say about that. And, and my heart and prayers go out, out to the, the Gibbs family and organization. Ty and, and the Gibbs organization, I'm still sick of their loss. All I have to say is that Ty is an incredible talent, has done amazing things uh, on the racetrack. Me just feeling gutted 
for the entire family and organization. I'm not even going to discuss any dust-ups that, that Ty had over over this past year. I think every year brings a new look at things, and Ty's an amazing young talent that's going to do great things for a long time in the sport, and I think that he will learn and evolve. And let me tell you on, on a positive side, something that really meant something to me. When I walked out to the qualifying line, uh, when the cars were lined up to go out to qualify at uh, Las Vegas, and I walked up to Ty, he reached out and he shook my hand, and he looked me right straight in the eye, and he says, do you have any advice for me? You know, that really struck me, that a guy that uh, races in an organization where Denny Hamlin is there, and Kyle Busch is there, and Joe Gibbs is there, and all the great crew chiefs and all the great people that surround Ty, the first thing that he really said to me was, do you have any advice for me? So I think that uh, bodes well for his future. I think he hopefully uh, continue to keep his head down. I know that, it's a, that you know that's a whole strong family of faith, and... Uh, that doesn't cure it, cure the the heartbreak, but hopefully it will get them through and and get them, you know, going into next season and next next race season. You know, um, it's hard. I can't imagine you know a young man like that dealing with everything he dealt with, uh, overcoming it. Uh, a hell of a drive at Phoenix to win win a championship with all that pressure on him. What did he do? He just went out and dominated. And and from the time they hit the racetrack in practice, uh, he was able, and I, there's, there's some people that can do this, he was able to put all that behind him. And maybe he was tied up in a knot before he got in the car. I don't know. But I know that when he got in that car, he immediately was fast. He immediately did everything he had to do. Put all that behind him. And, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but it had to feel that way to him. Everybody against him. Uh, drivers talking about him publicly, talking about him directly, you know, right in his face at the media event, saying things about him. And he put it behind him and went and got the job done. And that says a lot about where he is, what he's capable of. Uh, He's 20 years old and he shut all that off and went and did his job. And clearly the loss of his father is outweighs everything else in his life at the moment. There will be a time that he will be able to get back in a race car and it'll be the best thing for him. And he can, he can go back and relive Phoenix to remind himself of what he's capable of doing in extreme adverse conditions. Nothing as extreme as losing your father. But for a 20-year-old that's trying to win an Xfinity championship, to have the world seem to be against you and be able to stand up and make it happen, that's a hell of a statement. And I will tell you that Ty, um, I've spent you know not a, a lot of time, but some time just one-on-one or with a small group of people with Ty. He's very respectful. He is the guy that Mark Martin just talked about. 
Uh, he doesn't represent himself as well when he's, you know, in front of a lot of cameras. He's still learning how to do that. We just talked about Joey Logano. He's got that ability to have that split personality. He didn't have it at 20. He didn't have that at 20. He didn't know how to do that when he was a rookie in his first, second, third year in Cup. He wasn't that guy. He was a guy that people didn't like. He didn't know how to do all that. And Ty will get there. Ty will figure it out the same way Joey figured it out. And and um, I just hope that they can, that whole family, I just can't imagine, you know, Joe and, and his wife, you know, they've lost two children and um, – yeah, I just I can't imagine what they're dealing with. It's 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 just it's horrible to even think about. Uh, I will say this: this community will put their arms around them and hug and do all they can to help them. Uh, but but it's um, you know it's a horrible. It's got to be a horrible feeling uh, for everybody involved. Um, but Ty Ty can rest knowing that he can drive a race car. And Ty can rest knowing that when the chips are down, he can get it done. And time and willingness, he will get to the same place where Joey Logano is, where he's able to be on the track the way he needs to be and off track the way it needs to be. But it, but it is a process. It doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah, the community definitely um, definitely takes care of it, takes care of each other, um, and uh, you know you just hearts and prayers out out for the whole Gibbs organization. Um, Kind of grabbing a different gear here. You were talking about um, guys that can get it done. Well, we're at the end of the year, gentlemen. And at the end of the year, there's big short track racing going on. I know you guys both love it. I love it. You know, you got your fall brawls, your snowball derbies, the Florence, uh, the uh, South Carolina 400. I'm actually going to race in the South Carolina 400. But I wanted to tip a cap to Coleman Presley. Coleman Presley won the fall brawl. And if you don't know who Coleman is, Coleman is a spotter for Joey Logano and one of his best friends. And Coleman is a shoe. He, ha- he had the ability and it just didn't work out for him. But he found a way to stay in the sport. And he got back into a late model for the first time in almost 10 years and started 18th at Hickory in the fall brawl. And won that joker. And I'm so happy for my man. That that his whole family was there. Joey was spotting for him. You know, I mean Rodney Childers won the inaugural fall brawl. Like that is just cool. It's a cool moment to see that happen. Real special moment to see Coleman win and to see Joey so excited for him. Those two are a team and roles were reversed uh there at at, at that race. So that was uh that was really cool to see. This is a this is a time of year when we uh, have a chance to focus on uh, other racing outside of NASCAR. There's some big ones. Uh, uh, really excited for you, Mamba. Uh, hope that you have a, a great race um, in South Carolina, and I'll be watching that closely. Of course, uh, be all over the Snowball Derby and anything else that's going on uh, out there. Uh, the dirt late models are are kind of winding down. I watched. Uh, I got to watch them uh, race at Las Vegas over the over the weekend, and uh, you know, keep my eyes peeled for any more races there. But uh, this is a time of year when we when some of the crown jewels of the the late model um, you know series um, and late model racing come out uh, come about and. 
I'm going to be all over that. We'll be watching that and ready. I'm, I'm already ready for the new season. I would like to say, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. We saw, I no, I saw the best racing I've ever seen in 2020, uh, 2022. I, it was just the best I've ever seen. I was, I, 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 Kudos to the car uh, and kudos to the drivers for adapting and and you know making such an, a, a great season uh, and kudos to, like Jeff said kudos to the teams I know it had to be excruciating probably this was probably very likely the most difficult season for the teams for the crews the guys that work on the cars this I, I would have to say this had to be the most difficult season in NASCAR history because of how radically different the cars were and for the lack of time to prepare and for the uh, the shortage of parts uh, going into the season. You know, the Snowball Derby's coming up. That's always fun to watch. The, the, the South Carolina race you mentioned, Cup racing being off television allows us to spend a little bit of time watching those guys paying attention to those guys. There's some really good races around the country that, that uh, you know, they're fun to watch, very talented. Uh, those are great races. I agree with Mark. The racing this year has been phenomenal. Um, you know, it's just it's just quality racing. And there were some things that – this is the first year with the car, and there's some things that can be improved. Uh, NASCAR was pretty open uh, at Phoenix about making some changes to the car to make it better at short tracks and to make it better on road courses. I actually think it's just road courses, to be honest with you. I I, I know a lot of talk about the, the short tracks. The spring race in Martinsville wasn't that great. Uh, the fall race is pretty good. Uh, there, so there's a there's you know it's really it was really more the road courses than, than the short tracks. But uh, but if you can make them better, make them better. Um, and, and they talked about making some changes to the car to help with that. If that does work, that'll that'll be a great thing. The mile and a half stuff is really good. Uh, really really good racing. I don't see any reason that's going to change. Um, I don't know. We got a bright future. I mean, they're 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 you know working on some safety stuff. You know, a lot of work going into that to try to make the cars a little better when you back them in, or the side impacts. There's a lot of work going there. So, uh, you know, some rough patches, but overall the the year was very solid. The competition was great. A lot was learned, and it's year one. I mean, there's never been a change this radical in the sport. Um, it just hasn't, and and. Uh, where does it go from here? And and it's going to be fun to watch. I don't. I don't. Who's the favorite? I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like you know, like coming into this year, I was like Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. Going, who knows? Like who in the world knows who the favorite is? And that's to me is what's so exciting about this car. It's just opened the door. Um, and and it's still, you know, some fans, you know, well, it's like an IROC series. No, it's not. It's nothing like an IROC series. And, and the only thing that's like it's the IROC series is that all the cars have the same components. But those components can be put on that race car and used a lot of different ways. They're not all the same. They don't all go the same speed. And so the teams still have can work on them, not as much as they could, clearly. Teams still have a lot to work on. They have a lot to learn. Uh, you have to drive them completely different than when you drove the stuff in the past. That'll continue to evolve. Goodyear will continue to evolve. I just think that just have an opportunity to even have a better year next year. So I can't wait. I wish we, again, I wish we were doing it now. I know we don't need to, but, but I wish we could start it as soon as possible. Yeah, man, it was a, it was a hell of a year. It's been really fun doing this uh, with you guys, uh, getting your perspective 
And I think the best way for me to, to end this episode is get one more piece of perspective from you. So I'm racing the South Carolina 400, which is replacing the Myrtle Beach 400. I got Dodge Mopar Motorsports on the car. So Dodge isn't isn't coming back at the national level, but I somehow convinced him to come short track racing with me. It's going to be really fun um, running a special number and scheme, the number 170. So I just have to ask you guys one piece of advice before I strap in on Thursday for practice. What, what do you got for me? Dude. Just do what you do, man. Uh, I've seen you in action before. You know what to do. You know how to do it. Um, and uh, just uh, uh, just like you've been doing it, you pay attention uh, to everything, not just uh, not just the racetrack, not just uh, what's going on with your car and all, but what all, what everybody else is doing. Because sometimes you can learn something from somebody else, uh, no matter how good you're doing. There's always somebody that's figured something else out. So um, that'd be my piece of advice. Go down there and work your ass off before you get there and while you're there. Do everything you can to do the best you can and have fun doing it. And that's the thing that, you know, you can be super competitive and want to win and want to run the best you want can run and do everything you can and still have fun doing it. Embrace how hard it is. Embrace the challenge. Know it's going to be hard and go enjoy that part of it. And if you do that, you can have fun. If you only look at the result and not take into account all the 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 uh, how special it is to have something to care about, how special it is that it's hard, how special it is that it's going to be a challenge, then it becomes not fun. You have to embrace those things and and go down there knowing it's going to be hard and accepting that and then making that part of the challenge and and, and, and with that comes gratification and, and, and the, the enjoyment of it. Don't just look at the result. Look at the effort. Racing is fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's been fun with you guys. Appreciate everyone listening all year long. One more time, this is Mark Mamba and the mayor.